once a third century man who was anticipating his death and he penned these last words to a friend. It's a bad world, an incredibly bad world, but I've discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasures of our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people are the Christians, and I am one of them. Uh, today, I just wanted to ask the simple question, how's your level of joy? I want 2023 just to be a joyful time. Because regardless of what happens in it, we of all people should be most joyful. Again, when we start talking about joy, I would like to give a definition. It says actually kind of to leap, exult, rejoice, shouting, almost to go into a circle like you're dancing around rejoicing. The Bible is filled, filled with joy. Uh, joy comes in the morning, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice in His presence, there is fullness of joy, it's an exceeding joy we read about in First Peter, there is so much to talk about when it comes to joy. In Psalm 35, 9 it says, and my soul shall be joyful in the Lord, it shall rejoice in His salvation. If you are not joyful, is that Okay. Again, if I said, hey, today I just have no love, or today I have no self-control, today I have no patience, most of us would say that's not okay. But if we say today I have no joy, we go, yeah, I got you. It's not okay not to have joy as a believer. I wanted to look at a passage where it would seem the most joyous time, one of the most joyful times in the nation of Israel in 2nd Chronicles chapter 30 but let's well you can turn there I won't pray and stop you I know I already said it first turn to 2nd Chronicles chapter 30 and we will start to read in verse 13. Now many people, a very great assembly, gathered at Jerusalem to keep the feast of unleavened bread in the second month. They arose and took away the altars that were in Jerusalem. They took away all the incense altars and cast them into the brook Kidron. Then they slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th day of the second month. The priests and the Levites were ashamed and sanctified themselves and brought the burnt offerings to the house of the Lord. They stood in their place according to their custom, according to the law of Moses, the man of God. The priests sprinkled the blood received from the hand of the Levites. For there were many in the assembly who had not sanctified themselves. Therefore the Levites had charge of the slaughter of the Passover lambs for everyone who was not clean to sanctify them to the Lord. For a multitude of the people, many from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulon, had not cleansed themselves, yet they ate the Passover contrary to what was written. Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May the good Lord provide atonement for everyone who prepares his heart to seek the Lord, the Lord God of his fathers, though he is not cleansed according to the 
purification of the sanctuary. And the Lord listened to Hezekiah and healed the people. So the children of Israel were present at Jerusalem, kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days with great gladness. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day, singing to the Lord, accompanied by loud instruments. And Hezekiah gave encouragement to all the Levites who taught the good knowledge of the Lord. And they ate throughout the feast seven days, offering peace offerings and making confession to the Lord God of their fathers. Then the whole assembly agreed to keep the feast another seven days. And they kept it another seven days with gladness. For Hezekiah, king of Judah, gave to the assembly a thousand bulls and seven thousand sheep. And the leaders gave to the assembly a thousand bulls and ten thousand sheep. And a great number of priests sanctified themselves. The whole assembly of Judah rejoiced. Also the priests and Levites, all the assembly that came from Israel, the sojourners who came from the land of Israel and those who dwelt in Judah. And there was great joy in Jerusalem, for since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. Then the priests, the Levites, arose and blessed the people, and their voice was heard, and their prayer came up to his holy dwelling place to heaven. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that we uh, have so much to rejoice over this morning. Thank you so much that we have said, Lord, that uh, in your presence is fullness of joy and you are here. And so how can there not be fullness of joy if we are with our Savior here this morning together as your bride, as your blood-bought saints? Thank you so much for uh, just uh, the ability to come together as a small part of your body and to think of you and to open your word and that you would do a work, that your Holy Spirit would convict and encourage, and that we might uh, be equipped to go uh, give this uh, ministry of reconciliation to the world. Thank you so much for loving us and, and being compassionate and uh, looking at the heart instead of just what's done on the outside. Thank you that you are altogether lovely and glorious. Be honored and glorified above all. In your name, amen. Big party. Love this party in Scripture. They partied for seven days, and then they did another seven. And they were extremely joyful. But what got them to that point? Well, first of all, when Hezekiah becomes king, he cleans shop. Because they are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. If you remember from our time in the Kings, he tries to repair the temple and then he's going to institute the Passover. They had not been doing the Passover. And so this is one of the first Passovers in a long, long time. Why is it that when God gives them something to do like the Passover, that when they actually get back to it, it can be one of the most joyful times out there? I'll give you the parallel right away. As they went to the temple to do the Passover, we have the church on Sunday morning. We have breaking of bread and teaching and things like that. Is it possible that regardless of what happens throughout the week here in this year, 2023, this time would be the most joyful time of the week? That we would be looking forward, that as soon as Monday comes, we are counting the days when we can get together again, break bread, remember our Savior, hear from His Word, sing unto the Lord. 
Could it be that that actually would be the secret to being joyful? Simply doing what he told you to do. I want to look back into this story to see what made them so joyful. And what can we do to be a joyful people? Again, it is my challenge to myself personally, regardless of what happens in my circumstances in 2023, I have so many reasons to be joyful. And we as believers should be a people that are joyful. Well, let's look at one of the first things they're doing here. They're going to restore the Passover. Now, again, a lot of this is review, but I think it's good for us to hear. What was the point of the Passover? When these people all gathered together and Hezekiah saying, hey, we've got to do the Passover. What was the point of the Passover? Why did God give that to them anyway? In Exodus chapter 12, verse 26, it says, And it shall be when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? That you shall say, It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Every week, when you come to Branford Bible Chapel and you see the elements before you, you are to think of his death and your salvation. I'm amazed at how we always try to find something else that's joyful besides the very fact that he saved us. If we could just meditate a little more, if we could just hold on a little more to our eternal security with him that he saved us from hell that's what the passover was about that they were to sit there and say do you remember when we were saved from the egyptians we were brought out of egypt through a miraculous thing we applied the blood and that we are to be looking forward to the day where there is a passover lamb that will do it all that's why john the baptist said behold the lamb of god that takes away the sins of the world looking forward to the day where our sins are taken care of And we are saved. My goodness, these guys had to do it once a year. We get to do it weekly, together as a body, to come together and just have a time where we remember we're saved. We remember we're saved. The life of Christianity consists of possessive pronouns says Martin Luther. It is one thing to say Christ is a Savior. It is quite another to say He is my Savior and my Lord. The devil can say the first. The true Christian alone can say the second. He's not just a Savior. He's mine. My Savior. And not only did he save us from hell, but I have forgotten again as I've read over this verse in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4. It says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. 
that not only did he save us from hell and says, hey, we'll talk to you in heaven, but saved us from the present evil of this world. That the world with all of its kind of trickery and all of its passions and lusts and all of its anti-God messages that sometimes we get wrapped up in and want to enjoy and want to indulge in, he saved us from that too. He's given us an alternative. He's given us the truth, saying, walk this way in life. You don't have to participate in the evil world that's all around you. I got you. I saved you from that. I pulled you out of it. Do life the way I want you to do it. He saved us from the present evil of this world. That's why regardless of whether persecution comes, or regardless of how bad it gets out there, all that stuff, it doesn't affect our joy. Because when we come and we remember, He saved us from all that. We don't have to participate in it. Part of this process of not only remembering the Lord like He said, was also that they had to repent of their ways and obey. Going to the Passover forced them to follow the rules of the Passover and get rid of sin. Remember, there was no yeast at the Passover. <clears throat> Typically, a pitcher of sin. Get rid of sin. The interesting thing in this portion in dealing with us and even getting rid of our sin, is the way God deals with it. So that here you have people that were supposed to be following the law and doing things correctly, and a lot of people weren't even ready. In fact, this Passover has been celebrated a month after the Passover is supposed to be done. And there's actually a clause in Numbers 9 if you ever want to look at it. Again, just speaking to the mercies of God. That if you, you couldn't do the Passover, you can do it the next month. And there's all rules, and you can look at that in, in Numbers chapter 9. But this whole thing is a picture of God's mercy. They're doing it the second month. Hezekiah's like, hey man, we got to do a Passover. We're not ready. We're not clean. And so now some of these priests are trying to be made clean. And they have to do a lot of extra stuff because so many other people aren't clean. But there's still some people eating, and they're not supposed to do that. And yet, this is the portion here in verses uh, 18. For a multitude of the people, many from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun, had not cleansed themselves, yet they ate the Passover, contrary to what was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May the, Lord, may the good Lord atone for everyone. Prepare his heart to seek God, the Lord God of his fathers, though he is not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. Here's what happened as you read about it. Lisa, what I read and studied, some of these guys from the northern part there might not have even had literally the ability to know how to be clean. They, they, Israel kind of got so off track that these guys literally might not know what they have to do or that they should not eat until certain things have happened. And so Hezekiah prays and goes, Lord, can you just, can, just look at their heart, basically? Look at their heart. They're trying to do the Passover. They didn't know, but yet we don't want to disobey either. Why do I say that? It's interesting. When we come to us in our joyous state, sin will rob you of your joy every single time. 
but it's always a picture again of God looking at the heart. Okay. So also, so why do I say that? When we come here on a Sunday morning, it is imperative that we talk about sin. We have to talk about what we're doing wrong in life. What is our attitude in walking through the doors? Are we ready to hear someone say, you shouldn't be doing this in life? (laughs) Are we ready to have the Holy Spirit convict us of sin? Because I believe every single one of us in this room goes, yeah, I definitely got sin. All right, well, God set it up where he can convict you in your own personal readings. There's also something about coming together corporately where he can convict us corporately of things we're doing wrong, but also individually during this time while the word of God is open. What's your attitude towards that? Does that actually rob you of your joy? It's actually supposed to make us joyous. Remember, he has set it up at the breaking of bread. Remember? Hey, don't even partake if you got something between someone. Go fix that. There's systems in play that we don't just let sin happen. Is dealing with sin always got to be a negative thing? Or can we just have an outlook to where it's positive? Like, hey, today I'm going to hear how I can be more Christ-like. Today I trust that God's going to teach me what to get rid of in my life that I might enjoy more blessings. I don't want this sin to ruin me, those around me I love. God, tell me what i got to do to get rid of this stuff. It's always an attitude, but sometimes we just don't like it. These guys had to get ready for the Passover. A whole country's got to figure out, hey, are we doing this right? Are we doing this wrong? Everyone's worried about following the law. There was a a documentary right now, which I thought was uh, just a a great documentary. I I don't promote it. There's language. Something called the Redeemed Team. Uh, the Olympians, uh, the NBA basketball players that played in the Olympics for us. We lost in the Olympics. And then there's a new team, LeBron, Kobe Bryant, uh, Carmelo, a few other guys. And if you watch the thing, uh, one night they're all playing a game, I believe, in Vegas. And all the guys, or at least they're practicing near Vegas. And most of these guys go party all night long. And at 5 o'clock in the morning, they're coming back to the hotel. And they run into Kobe Bryant. Who is going to the gym at 5 o'clock in the morning? All these NBA superstars coming out from partying all night run into Kobe at 5 o'clock in the morning. And they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm going to go work out. We're on the team. And all these guys immediately are convicted. Actually, there was one who I thought was hilarious. He's like, I I never went to the gym at 5. I ain't going to lie. But the point is, they stopped. They turned away from that party in Vegas. And you'll see in the documentary, they all start going early when they didn't have to, to the gym at 5, 6 o'clock in the morning and worked out. I'm going to tell you, that's not fun. That's not fun at all. There's pain, there's endurance, there's training, there's putting off pleasure of Vegas at night. But I tell you what, it was nice for them to do that together. And it was something they could look at and address in their life and say, let's get better. Let's go through this together why can't we have that attitude here at Brantford Bible Chapel I'm not even saying we don't 
I'm just saying that we should be excited about how God's going to change our lives and our conviction of sin. You remember, they had to do the Passover in haste. They had to do it quickly. Another reason why they couldn't take yeast. They couldn't wait around for the bread to rise. I think sometimes it was a way to test their faith. You know, if the Israelites had a chance to just sit around and think about it, whether they should leave Egypt or not, I bet you a lot of them would have stayed. Right? A lot of them would have stayed. I'd like to encourage us again, when we come together corporately, every Sunday, yes, I don't think this is legalism. Man, get out the door and come. Don't sit around and wait and think about it. Don't just You can make a statement right now in your mind. I'm coming to church on Sundays. It's just, it's just a no-brainer. It's a no-deal. Passover, sometimes they had, to, they had to make that choice. Hey, we're gone. We're out. Grab your things and go. Not only did they repent, they had to get rid of idols. Now remember, this is all a joyous time. Joyous time. Had to get rid of their idols. They throw them all in the brook, Kidron. Turn to Psalms 115, to Psalm. Did it once for 2023, I won't do it again. In Psalm 115, we'll start in verse 3. But our God is in heaven. He does whatever He pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk, nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. Listen, again, just the thing about idols, they steal your joy. Why? Because when you become like them, you don't feel, you don't walk. All the things that they said an idol can't do, you become like them. It robs you. It robs you of joy when you put other things in place of our Lord and Savior. Other things that take precedence over Him. What made them so joyful? Simply doing what God asked them to do in this Passover and... Look at the way they invested. They did not go small. There is so many dead animals that people are eating. There is partying. There is instruments everywhere. There is singing. Seven days. We have a weekend conference. This is a week-long conference with people preaching all the time. Singing, preaching, eating. Singing, preaching, eating. Seven days. And at the end of the seven days, you know what they say? Because they're at the right state. Their joy is just overflowing. Let's go another seven. 
Now think about economically what that would do. One, all those more animals got to be sacrificed. Two, if you own a business, you just lost another week's worth of wages because you decided to go extend the Passover for one more week. This whole thing is a, hey, the joy is unexplainable. I'll deal without the money. What do I go give them my cow? Go give them my sheep. Let's keep doing this. This is of the Lord. We are so joyful. Let's keep singing. Let's keep hearing more teaching. Let's keep praising. Let's do it some more and some more and some more. Seven more days. If you want to get your joy back, not only do you have to get rid of idols and repent and just do the basics of coming to church and all that that means on a Sunday, but you got to invest. You've got to invest. I remember, again, listen, there was times and, you know, maybe I had money, maybe I don't, but I remember sitting there thinking about going to the men's retreats and how much I loved them, but it was like 70 bucks. And I was like, man, $70. I cannot be spending $70 on this. I That's too much. <laughs> it is worth spending our money in the things of the Lord. And this year, 2023, it would be awesome. Awesome. If we all became like mine and we just pooled our money to just go do something of the Lord. I have no idea what that even looks like. If Bramber Bible Chapel goes on a retreat, will that cost money? It will cost money. It will cost time. It will cost resources. And it would be awesome for us to do. These guys kept partying another seven days. Their joy was just going everywhere. Is it possible this year that you literally... Just, just turning it up a notch at church. Just investing and getting part of the assembly and just going, what are we doing here? Well, I, I want to break bread. I want to do everything. I want to be listening to the speakers. I want to get involved in ministry. I want to get involved in my small group. I, want, I just want to get invested that that will make you beyond joyful. Is that possible? I think it is. Because I think that's the way God set it up. And it'll be the easiest thing in the world to say, we got to go get our joy from anywhere outside of praying for Bible chapel. And I know what it sounds like. Obviously, the Lord brings joy. But there's something about corporate. There's something about it that brings joy. How did this all happen? There is something special here in that verse, in verse chapter 12. In 2 Chronicles chapter 30. It says, also the hand of God was on Judah to give them singleness of heart to obey the command of the king and the leaders at the word of the Lord. Guys, the reason I feel like this one is different is, again, the Lord is everything we need. In his presence, fullness of joy, he is our joy. But there is something about coming together to do the work of the Lord that just brings some more joy. Think about what it was like. It wasn't just one or two people throwing away their idols. It was groups of people. I mean, together, they're like, hey, I know I might do this. Throw him in the brook. I don't know if I want to throw him in the brook. Throw him in the brook, man. Okay. Oh, man. You throw yours in the brook. 
Ooh, this one's all gold. Throw it in the brook. No, no, can we melt it down? Throw it in the brook. Right? When the other guys that come together, hey, man, I want to sing. You want to sing? Oh, my gosh, let's get a choir together. Oh, my goodness. And the choir just keeps growing and growing and growing, and everyone's suddenly singing together. There's something about togetherness. They're not just sharing one little sheep. They're going around, and there's just a plethora of meat. Just go, come get your pick. Let's just pig out. Hey, do I want to go to listen to this guy? He's on a 10. What about this guy's on 11? Oh, my goodness, there's a plethora of people that are preaching during this time. There's something about doing all these things together corporately. Corporately. And not being so individualistic. We're about, I'm about to close. If we would pray for one thing, I would say that the Lord would do a work. That He would give us singleness of heart this year at Brantford Bible Chapel. That together... He might do a work where we are united and knitted together in Him that we would have singleness of heart. That together we would get rid of our idols. Together we would repent. Together we would praise and sing and say, hey, I need another message. I need another sermon. I need it. I need it. Because we are to be joyful. These guys... We're just thinking so much. And again, I don't even understand the theology of that last verse where the priests are just trying to bless the people and it goes right up to heaven, right up to heaven. Like God's just saying, listen, I love what you're doing. Of course I'll bless it. Of course I'll bless it. I love what you're doing. If you want some more homework and you want to know about joy, Read the book of Philippians this week. Philippians is an absolute book of joy, and he did it while he was in prison. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, again, uh, we pray that if we have lost our joy, that you would restore our joy singly and corporately, that we would be a people that just rejoice over what you have already established, that we might come together for the breaking of the bread, for teaching, for fellowship, for prayer. The things that you have already put in line, may we see that those things will bring us so much joy. Lord, help us if we have idols, that we might get rid of them. Help us to be able to communicate uh, effectively with each other. Lord, help us to simply obey. Thank you that you would look at our hearts. That you would look at our hearts when it comes to obeying that we might see getting rid of sin as just something positive that would benefit us instead of such a negative thing. Oh, Lord, thank you for who you are. We pray that you in this 2023 would give us singleness of mind here in this assembly, that you would give vision, that you would direct, that we might just focus our attention and our heart's affection on who you are. In your name, amen.